Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Life on Life's Terms, the Life on Life's Terms workshop. My name is Rachel. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Please join me in the serenity, serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right. Before we get started, uh, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off now. We remind you that this session is being taped, and all speakers must sign the release form. So that includes after our um, three speakers up here, if you decide you want to get up and share, you'll need to sign a release form as well. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent uh, Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format of this session is as follows. We will have three speakers who will share for 20 minutes each, followed by three-minute open pitches until the end of the session. The topic for this session is Life on Life's Terms. All that glitters is not gold. The following is a reading from Alcoholics Anonymous, 3rd edition, page 449. Read next page. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation some fact of my life unacceptable to me, and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my, compuls- uh, my alcoholism or compulsive overeating, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Uh, Our first speaker is Melissa from Los Gatos. Hi, and I'm still Melissa, compulsive overeater. I haven't changed since I walked over here. Um, so can I? Is that better? Everybody can hear? We good? Is it on? Is there, I, I hate to be inept, but. Is that better? There we go. Okay. We'll get this started. All right, so thank you to Michelle for asking me to do this, and um Gosh, I'm, I'm moved by all the people here. I really am. Um, I'll share real briefly um, some numbers and some stuff like that, and then I'll kind of get into the topic. I've been around the rooms for 21 years, and I celebrate 18 years of recovery in March of this year. And I've got, which is, I'm, I'm choked up when I think about that because I remember who I was when I came in here. 
and um, I'm maintaining about a 90 to 100 pound weight loss, which is amazing. And as amazing, and frankly, I think even more amazing than that is the emotional and spiritual recovery. When you guys found me 21 years ago, um, I was floundering around, had no direction, was agoraphobic, couldn't hold a job, couldn't go to school, um, and ate all day long. And if I wasn't eating, I was thinking about it, so I might as well have just been eating. Um, I believe that I am no different than an addict that you see in the street somewhere. I am that person. So don't be fooled by this. My wiring has not changed one bit since I walked in here 21 years ago. I'm still an addict. I am under no illusion that I have been cured. This isn't cured. There's no cure going on up here. I can promise you that. Um, I, I also know today that if I pick up my drug of choice, which for me is food, I will be that person in the gutter. I really will because I will lose everything. Um, and I don't say that lightly. I say that because in my heart and my soul, I know that to be true, that when the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind kick in, nothing else matters to me but getting my food. And I will lie to you, and I will steal from you. I, I'm, I'm that person. What I use may not be illegal, but it is, believe me, just as deadly. This is not a casual thing for me. This is a life or death program for me every day. And today I choose life with God by my side. When you guys found me, I was suicidal, not because of the weight on my body. Believe me, that was no picnic either. But because of what was going on in my head, I never had any peace or serenity or quiet. And I remember all the times I used to eat to quiet this. So, um, and today I am incredibly, incredibly grateful for my recovery and that this program has absolutely saved my life. And I didn't understand that when I came in here. Okay, life on life's terms. So here's what I know. Here's what I've learned. I love that reading, by the way. I, I talk to an OA member most weekday mornings on my way into work, and we recite that daily. And here's what I've come to learn about that. When I am in acceptance and I stop wishing and I stop fighting, here's what happens. It leaves room for feelings to come up. A lot of my wishing and my fighting is because I want to avoid how things hurt my heart. And like anybody, anywhere, there are things in my life that hurt my heart that I wish, I wish in my heart were different. Um, to this point in time, they're not going to be different. I want them to be different. And believe me, this is a struggle on a regular basis. So when I pray to be in acceptance and pray to be still, stuff comes up. I don't like stuff. I really don't. I don't. I, I'm an addict, you guys. Unless it feels great, I don't want it. Um, but here's what the program has done for me. It has given me an ability to endure uncomfortable, painful, heartbreaking feelings. When I came here, I had no ability to do that. But in being here, it's like a muscle I had never, ever exercised. I never had a chance to exercise it. A feeling came up and I would eat. I didn't understand that's what was happening, but that is what was happening. Um, so over the years, 
that muscle has gotten stronger and stronger and stronger. And so it means I still don't like the feelings, and I really don't like them. But it also means that I have an increased ability to tolerate them. I couldn't tolerate anything before I came here. I just simply couldn't. I didn't understand that. I thought I was such a feeling deep person. Oh, no, I wasn't. Um, I was a terrified, fear-based, shame-based girl when you guys found me. And I like to say when I was delivered here 21 years ago. Um, And so when those feelings come up, today I understand what to do. Today I know what to do. And what I need to do is reach for my God, reach for the steps, reach for you guys, share my truth. I'm feeling X. I need to, how does it go? I would rather save my ass than my face today. I really would. So it means I need to be vulnerable with somebody and tell them that I'm feeling whatever it is I'm feeling about a situation. The other thing I know is, well, the other thing I practice knowing is that I am certainly powerless over a lot of the situations in my life. And when I say that, I think about my family and the things that go on there that break my heart. Um, And frankly, they've been up lately. They just break my heart. Um, I have no power. I want to have power to change them. I really do. I would love to say I'm just, I've just let it go and I'm, no, no, no. I still want to have power to change those things. And I have to go back to the serenity prayer and remember to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can change. And like most situations in my life and in our lives, the thing I can change is me. Um, and I have a, just a little buzzword that helps me get into right action and helps me to know what I can do. And that little buzzword is lemonade, and I'll explain why that is. Because there are situations in... Lemonade. Lemonade. There are situations in my life that I think of as lemons. They really are, like anybody's life. So my challenge today is, how am I going to take those lemons and make lemonade out of them? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And sometimes the best I can do, especially in relation to family issues, is... Thank God that's not my story. Thank God that's not my story. Thank God that for whatever reason, I was saved from that life. Um, And some days, frankly, when I think about lemonade, there's really nothing I can do. Sometimes there's really nothing I can do to change those situations. So when all else fails, prayer is my answer. I pray for my family on a daily, daily basis. Um, it feels like a very positive action, in in kind of in a well, in a way, in a very big way. It's surrendering it to God. It's reminding me that I'm not in control and I'm not in charge, and I have no power. I am powerless to change things. Um, excuse me, guys. I'm jumping around a little bit here. In the promises, it talks about not regretting the past or wishing to shut the door on it. i got to be honest with you guys. Um, I wish to shut the door on, on a big chunk of it. I really do. Um, there's a part of me that still wants to make my childhood different than it was. I don't want to know what I come from. And I also I want to say this because I think it's really important. I believe in my heart that a bad childhood does not condemn me or anybody else 
bless you, to a bad life. It just doesn't. Um, I learned that in these rooms. I didn't understand that. I didn't even understand my childhood was bad. I was so used to it. And then I came here and realized, oh, my God, this is, this is not good. Um, and so not only are there things that break my heart in the present, there are things that break my heart and are hard to look at from the past, and I don't get to change those either. When I first came here, I'm, well, let me be a little bit more specific. Um, I endured a lot of physical abuse when I was little from my dad. And um, at that time, I thought I would never speak of that ever. I had such shame behind that that I would never speak of that to another person ever. It's not that I thought that consciously, but that's what was going on inside. So I can't change that. I can't change those memories. I can't change what happened. Mm. But maybe I can talk to somebody who had a similar experience. And um, I can give them hope that things get better. And maybe that experience gave me a compassion of the heart that I may not have had. Um, Excuse me, guys. I wasn't expecting to do that. Um, mm. So maybe that can help somebody know that there's hope beyond it. Um, Thanks, guys. Boy, I wasn't expecting to do that. Um, And I can promise you that there is hope beyond it. Thank you, honey. Bless your little heart. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, see, even allergies can be turned into lemonade because I needed a Kleenex, and here's one. Okay, perfect. Um, Thank you very much. Um, Thanks. So... I know today that even incredibly painful, painful things can be turned to good use. You guys taught me that when you guys shared with me things that happened in your lives. And I felt like I wasn't the only one. I remember feeling like I was the only one who went to the market, filled up one of those little hand baskets, and um, binged, filled it up on a daily basis. And I remember just looking at random people in the market and without understanding or having words for it just thinking you don't do this and you don't do this and they were people of all shapes and sizes but it never occurred to me that anybody else in the world was struggling with this thing that I'm struggling with it never occurred to me that anybody else in the world couldn't stop eating I didn't have those words but that's what was happening to me I couldn't stop eating and you know thank God Thank God that I struggled with this when I was younger because it saved me. It really did. There was a time and a place for it. And, you know, when you're four years old, you can't exactly buy alcohol. Um, uh, and, And food works, you guys. Food worked for me. It worked. It took the edge off. It made things better. It numbed me out. There's somebody in Southern California with a great deal of recovery who I just have a lot of respect for, and he talks about that warm glow. It brought on that warm glow. When it works, you guys, nothing like it. I've never been drunk, and I've never done drugs. Thank God I know I'd be in those rooms, too. Thank God this was enough for me. Thank God that the bus stopped there because I'd, I'd be in there, too. So I'm, believe me, I'm grateful. Um, so I don't know what it is to be drunk or high. But I know what food did to me, and I know how it worked. 
and a family of nothing but anger and yelling and screaming and violent rages and physical abuse? Oh, thank God, because had I not had it, I hate to think what would have happened to me. It allowed me to hang on until I was delivered here, until you guys found me. It saved my life, and then it didn't. And then it just turned on itself, and it destroyed me. And then I was delivered here. And I, I, also, I also know that I need to practice faith. And for me, faith is, there's a little acronym, feeling as if I trust him or feeling as if I trust higher power or feeling whatever. I have to practice faith. I have to practice hope. I have to practice trust in my higher power. There are times when I'm graced with it and it comes really naturally and easily. And then there are times where I just need to practice it. And I practice it here. This is great for work and horrible for everything else. It really is. God blessed me with a great mind. I am blessed to be good at what I do. But man, for everyday life, this doesn't help me. Um, I'm a, today, by the grace of the program, I'm a CPA. When you guys found me, I couldn't finish school. Um, when I think of that, I'm blown away. So numbers and, and analytics and all that stuff, I love it. Um, and I often have to laugh that, um, this is my experience, coming from a screwed-up childhood and being pretty good in math, if you're looking for a career, <laughs> I just control those numbers. It's great. When I go to work, I know exactly how they behave. I know exactly what to do. I'm not worried. It's just it's fabulous. So I have control in no other area in my life except at work with those numbers. Anyway, um, and so I'll, I'll leave you guys with this. Because I love numbers, and I didn't understand that before I came in here, um, and I love formulas, I will give you what I cling to as my recovery formula. It's simple, thank you, not easy necessarily. It is always, always my footwork, regardless of how I feel about it. I don't have to want to do it. Plus God's grace equals recovery and miracles and a good life. So my footwork, regardless of how I feel about it, means I don't want to have to do it. If, and, and you guys, this is where I say take what you like and leave the rest. If I waited for willingness to kick in, I'd never leave the house. Um, it's a plan of action, not a plan of willingness. How many things do I do or do we do on a daily basis that we are completely unwilling to do, yet we have to do them? Who wants to stop and get gas? Who wants to, you know, take out the trash? There's a whole laundry list of things. So it means I get to do them regardless of how I feel about it, whether I want to or not. If I have willingness to do them, that's fantastic. It's not a prerequisite for my action. It never has been. Um, That's my part. The results are God's. The results are God's. And so um, I'll, I'll give you guys a baseball analogy. I'm not a big sports person, but I know enough to share this. So a pitcher practices and practices and practices, and the day that the game comes, and he walks up to the mound, and he throws the pitch. Everything to the point where the ball leaves his hand is his action, his responsibility. God's not going to do it. God's not going to practice for him or drag him up to the pitcher's mound. He's not going to do that. When the ball leaves his hand, it's God's business. So I am quite certain that at many, many, many baseball games, things didn't go as the pitcher planned. 
Okay. So what do I do? We get back to acceptance. As long as I have taken an action, as long as it's been a positive, healthy action, whether or not I wanted to, doesn't matter. I've done my part. I've made a space for God to do his part. And the results may go my way, and then they may not go my way. All right. That is where acceptance and prayer and practicing faith, feeling as if I trust him, um, kicks in. I may not understand why things are going the way they are right now. I may never understand. Or I may understand in retrospect, which is often the case. And it doesn't matter. All I need to do is my part. All I need to do is stick close to you guys, stick close to my higher power, close to my program, and not pick up my alcoholic food today. Because I can promise you, if I pick it up today, I'm, I'm out of here. 21 years will be gone in a manner of moments. I'm out. And I am quite sure that I will either be the woman in the house who's 700 pounds, or I will go back to the way I was when you guys found me, and that is suicidal. I may not wait for another 200 pounds on my body. The pain and the emotional, physical, and spiritual bankruptcy are so great, I hope I never forget them. They have left a permanent scar in my heart. I hope I never forget what that's like. Because if I forget, then I'll go out there. Today, to save my life, I have to do this deal every day. It is my daily medication. It's what gives me the life I have today. It's what gives me the recovery I have today. It's what gives me the promises I have today. So thank you guys for letting me share. It's an honor to be here and share my program. Thank you. And our second speaker is Judy from Sacramento. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah. My name is Judy. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I have absolutely no idea. Well, I... Maybe I have a couple ideas, but what comes out, I, before I come up here, I, I just kind of say, God, give me the words. Um, okay, <laughs> for those of you who don't know me, um, I've been in over the numbers. The first number I always think of is, oh, my God, I'm 62, um, <laughs> which actually is a big part of who I am today because um, I've been in Overeaters Anonymous now more than half my life. And I came in President's Day weekend of 1981, and I thought it was a crazy Christian cult group, Um, but at that point I didn't care. I was desperate, (laughs) desperate works, desperate works for me. It's pretty much the only thing that works. Um, and I, I didn't care. I, didn't, I don't even think I remember anything except um, a couple of people who showed me pictures and had been very, very, very heavy and were now thin. And so that was what I wanted. That is what I wanted. I, I really thought that my life would be fine once 
I lost the weight. Um, I think I was born with a hole in my heart, but not the kind that they can repair, you know, because from the get-go, I tried to fill it up with food. I mean, I didn't know that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. Um, my mantra or my, my default mode was, it's never enough. Nothing is enough. There's not enough love. There's not enough money, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I grew up, um, I did not grow up in a family of addicts or at all. I grew up in a real, I wouldn't say leave it to beaver kind of family, but um, I had two parents. My mother worked at home. I mean, she was at home. And um, my, you know, just your average semi-dysfunctional family, you know. <laughs> Um, I, I partly know that now because I have become my mother, um, <laughs> and um, I hear her and I see her all the time. And one of the great miracles of this program is that's just fine. That is just fine because my mother did the best that she could. Um, and I want to thank you for the Kleenex because, and I also want to say that I'm one of the people who feel like to cry is to breathe. <laughs> And um, I always forget that I do that a lot. I have real short-term memory problems, I guess. Um, anyway, I, I'm going to jump probably. So what? Uh, I requested to do Life on Life's Terms when Michelle said, what do you want to talk about? And I said Life on Life's Terms because that's what I have the most difficulty with. Surprise, <laughs> you know. Um, I grew up believing that if I did everything, all the right stuff, if I did it right, if I could only just do it right, then X, Y, and Z would happen. I, I also, that's not, I also didn't realize that that's what I thought or that's what I believed, but I did. Um, so what I want to say now is I still, when people say my life is beyond my wildest dreams, is there anyone in this room besides me that sometimes wants to strangle that person? <laughs> Thank you. Um, my life is beyond my wildest dreams because I really would have thought that at, age, at, that at my age and at what passes for normal, you know, I, I look pretty normal. Um, I would not be single. <laughs> I would not have not had kids, you know? And I know, and everybody that has them says to me, be grateful, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's like, yeah, but I, it's an opportunity or it's an experience that I really wanted to experience. And the flip side is I have a great life. I have a great life. So the fact that I am aware that I have a great life with living with the things that aren't going to happen in my life is absolutely a result of this program. Absolutely. 
Um, and to go through that life and, and events, you know, one year at a time, one minute at a time, one day at a time, which adds up to one year at a time, to one decade <laughs> at a time, and see some of, see how things are going and looking back um, at a normal weight. You know, I used to say I would cut off my arm to be thin. I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to do that. I had to do a lot of other things. And, and I really loved what Melissa said about willingness. Because if I waited until I really wanted to do something to do it, you know, and my true default mode is slug. Um, you know, really. No, I'm serious. I, uh, I love to be in bed. I love to sleep. I just, I love it. Um, and, and I find that sometimes I want to revert to that default mode. I, um, I recently retired. Now, see, it, this is all too weird because physically, biologically, I am at an age where people retire, they have grandchildren, and blah, blah, blah. That's my shell. But my inside is still maybe about 32. <laughs> and so, so when I walk down the street and I see a good-looking guy... And he doesn't notice me. <laughs> it's like, wait, what, what's wrong with this picture, you know? Um, but the inside of me is the person that still will stand up on stage and make <laughs> a complete idiot of herself, which I didn't do last night, thank you, God. But um, could have happened easily, you know? I mean, really, I was, I just was so afraid when... I went down on Michael's knee that I was going to knock him completely over, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. And um, because inside, I'm still the fat girl, you know. I was in a serious accident, and the guys came from the ambulance to pick me up. And I kept being afraid they wouldn't be able to pick me up. I was, you know, that's, that's the crazy insides. And, and that stuff on page 449, for me, was very much about... I learned that, yeah, I had to accept the outside, but I think what's almost been harder is accepting the inside, accepting who I am, accepting that I am a person that sometimes gets jealous, that um, sometimes wants, well, sometimes. I am, I, I kind of nurture, I used to, I Nurture resentments, you know. I, I, um, I use them to justify feelings, and, and you know, and and now I recognize that, and I, I and I have to get rid of them. I have to do what I can. Now I also recognize that I am powerless to get rid of them. That's the thing. I am powerless over my mind. I think that this, you know. Um, Sometimes I think of, uh, with, with the steps, you know, I am powerless over food, you know. I am powerless over my mind, you know. Um, life is life. I'm not, you know, life is life. It is what it is. 
Um, the problem is not life. The problem is my mind. <laughs> and that is the part that my higher power has to change. You know, I have to be willing to let it change. Um, and even this much willingness, you know, God gets in there, you know, and I am a person that has absolutely no concept of what that power is. I really do not know. Thank you. Um, but it, I don't have to. And I've, I've come to accept a lot of things over the last few years about myself, which has made life much easier to bear. Um, I've come to accept the fact that I, at this moment, I do not feel love for my brother. At this, or I don't like the person that my brother is. And it, for years and years and years, I thought, but I should love him because he's my brother. And um, I finally kind of realized that I'm pretty just sort of neutral with this is a person that I know that I, that I do need to see sometimes, but I don't really have any feeling about it um, positive. I'm, I'm a little sad about that, and maybe that'll change um, as I become maybe, you know, <laughs> more on a higher, a higher level of spirituality, you know. Um, but to accept the fact that the person I am is actually pretty okay the way she is, do you know what a miracle that is to be able to say? And I'm almost, like, scared to say it because the old brain, you know, the brain says, oh, my God, you're so egotistical and you're so, you know, nah, nah, nah. and it's like, no, that isn't true. The opposite is and the phrase that I have to use all the time is, God, please relieve me of the bondage of self, because it's all about me. And that has helped me so much to say that. And I'm also, I'm so glad, I wanted to say, and I forgot to, it's totally okay with me if you want to embroider or draw or whatever while you're listening, because I'm one of those people that have a really hard time sitting and listening without doing something with my hands. It helps me focus. And um, I've been doing that for many, many years. Uh, you know, thanks to OA, friends of mine and family members have gotten so many gifts, <laughs> you know, that I've, you know, embroidered or cross-stitched or whatever <laughs> in these rooms, you know. Um, I want to say that life on life's terms is, is it's like, well, of course. <laughs> That's it. That's what life is going to be. I don't know if you're doing anything with the sign, but I can't see it. So, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm, you know, what I'm, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm very off today. Um, but I think it's because I'm feeling fairly level today. Oh, my God, what a gift. What a gift that is. I'm going through a real, real transition, several. You know, every time people say, I'm going through a lot of changes, I kind of want to laugh because who isn't? You know? Who isn't? But um, I, recent, I did retire. My mother died um, about six months, seven months ago. And um, I'm just 
you know, starting to process that a lot. I miss her now. At first it wasn't so much. Now I really do. Um, and I think about, you know, things I want to share with her or sewing questions I want to ask her or something. And the fact that when my mom died, we were so, I mean, I was so clean with her. And there were many years, there were years in the program where I couldn't even pick up the phone because I was afraid she was on the other end and I would kill her. You know, I wanted to kill her for being who she was. Talk about non-acceptance, you know. Um, my dad is 92 years old, and he's in Phoenix, and I've retired a little early, about six months early, so that I could spend a lot of time with him. And, and I'm going to go down there in several weeks, drive down there with the cats. Talk about <laughs> a real pleasure cruise. <laughs> um, and, you know, part of me goes, oh, you're being so codependent and all that stuff, you know, to go down there. And it's like my gut has been saying for so long, go be with your father right now, you know. We're each other's best buddies, you know, and it works for me. It works for him. Thank you. So that's, that's what I'm going to do right now. And to have that kind of a relationship with my parents is amazing. I have... I have one nephew, thank you, God. He should have been my kid, but probably if he was, I wouldn't adore him the way that I do. And I get to be the best auntie on the planet, you know? I get to do things for him. And the wonderful thing is, he's still cool. He's 16 and a half. He's the star of his, he goes to a Jesuit high school. I, you know, God has such a sense of humor. <laughs> I was a public school teacher for 30 years and, and Jewish, and my nephew's going to the Jesuit high school in Phoenix and, and you know, um, and taking classes on the gospel, So, which is fine. You know, I just think I love God's sense of humor. Anyway, um, so I get to do these wonderful things. You know, I get to do things for other people. Um, the two... And a lot of you have heard me say this. There are two words that I really want to eliminate from my mental hard drive, and those are the words always and never. Because I spent my life thinking, when I felt badly, I thought, I will always feel this way, things will never change. You know? And I now, thank you God, when I feel really lousy, I know that at some point I will, this will change. It's hard to believe it. But that's what the program gives me, the higher power gives me. And I used food to fill that hole. Always, 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 always. Um, you know what? I, just I think right now I realize there's no hole. You know? There was a hole five minutes ago when I thought about certain things that caused me pain, but you know, basically, basically my life today is perfect as it is. Remind me that I said that. Um, <laughs> I'm serious, you know. I never wanted to waste my calories on something I couldn't chew, so I was never going to be an alcoholic. You know, the drugs, I would be out of control, so that didn't work. Because I want, you know, I got to be in control. So, what do you think my thing went to? 
gambling. I want to go to the casino. I want to, you know, that's the only time where I'm like, ah, you know, with those silly machines. So every day I don't do that is a miracle. I avoid certain meetings because they're close to a, they're close to that casino out there. Um, you know, it's like I am who I am. What I am, you know, and um, I don't know what's going to happen down the line. You know, I think maybe I'll try out for some community theater. Who knows? You know, <laughs> I enjoyed it so much. It was so much fun. Um, I can. There's so many things I can do. You know, I have that freedom to do that because I've had a very blessed life, in spite of all whatever, in spite of life. You know, I'd love to have more money. Money makes life easier. Um, but you know what? I'm fine. <laughs> and this program works. I mean, I'm standing up here talking for 20 minutes about life. When I came in here. I just wanted to lose weight, you know? I just want to, oh, real quickly, one minute. Okay, my sponsor reminded me to say something that cha- really helped me a lot to do in the first, when I get up in the morning or, or I try to talk to her and we do the first three steps. I say, today, what am I powerless over today? What are the things? Just today. What do I need to be restored to sanity? What do I want to be restored to sanity around today? And what am I turning over? And one of the things that that I try to remember to say is, you know, today is July 28th. It's the only July 28th, 2012 I'm ever going to have. It's the only one. So what, you know, what am I going to do with the rest of it? I, You know, be here, Judy. Be here for the rest of today, just for today. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And our, our third speaker is Hope from Elk Grove. Speaking into the microphone makes you cry today, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, and flop right down. How's that? Okay, whatever. Uh, my name's Hope. I'm a compulsive overeater, and um, I don't usually. Um, I'm not on the speaker circuit. You know, I I I stay in my meetings. Um, I like working one on one, so this is really different for me. So I made some notes just to. There's so much. I've been in this program 34 years. And I'm only 54. No. (laughs) No. No, no, no. I'll be 60 next year. Oh, God. Um, So let me tell you a little bit about my background. Um, I'm so grateful I found this program when I did. Um, I have been as high. The highest recorded weight was 200 when I was 16. And um, I went with my mother and some neighbors to a pay and weigh, and I knocked off 50 pounds. It was my senior year of high school, and I was not going to go to college looking like this. So I looked fairly normal, you know, like size 14, whatever. And this is a progressive disease, you know. And the eating just got worse and worse. And right before I came into OA, which was in Jacksonville, Florida, my husband was a resident at the Naval Regional Medical Center there, 
um, I had been a lifetime member of this pay and way, and my first spiritual experience was something in my gut told me that it wasn't going to work anymore. Something inside, I had crossed that line, whatever that line is, from being, you know, just a casual binger or whatever to hardcore, you know. So I qualify. I belong here. The only thing I've done perfectly in 34 years is that I've kept coming back. And there were times, you know, you know, people who know me know I don't like the word abstinence. It just bothers me. I have so many diet tapes in my head, and I'm uh, such a quantifier, you know, with, with numbers, unlike our other speaker <laughs> who likes numbers, um, that I, I consider the day I walked into this program is when I started my recovery, and that's why I say I have 34 years. I don't say I have abstinence of recovery. And I feel today I'm... I'm in recovery on all three levels. So I have a lot of specifics about um, how I've had to accept life on life's terms. Um, The first time I can remember um, kind of things not going my way was when I applied early decision to a certain university and was rejected. I just couldn't believe it. You know, I'm, I'm really, this is, a long time ago, it wasn't that competitive, and I, but this was a public university in the South. Why I applied there, don't ask me. And, you know, I got rejected. So what happened? I got into a very, very good school, and I was there three weeks and met my husband and went married 38 years. That's what God wanted. Okay, you know, I mean, insane. I was 17, he was 19. Okay. So that's the first Thing that I can really remember happening that I had to really accept whatever God decided. Um, so then I had this, this fantasy in my mind, because I'm a control freak, you know, anybody relate to that? You know, um, that I was going to be married four years, he'd finish his residency, we moved to Long Beach, and I would get pregnant and we would have a baby, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? Um, I went off birth control pills, and I didn't get pregnant. I never menstruated again. So we went on fertility pills. Then we went on fertility pills with the shot, okay? That's the shot that people are taking for that 500-calorie diet. That's the only medically indicated usage for that shot, okay, is to help you stimulate ovulation. And I thought, like, this is, this is a joke, why, God, why is God doing this to me? This is like crazy, you know? And, but I really had no control over it. So then I had to, we had to look at options, and I had to look at options. And I had to see, did I want to be pregnant or did I want to be a parent? You know, there's a difference. And I knew that pregnancy would be cool because it would be nine months of being the center of attention, you know? <laughs> and it would be really cool. And I could eat. There was a little fear about that, you know. But so anyway, being um, both of us being compulsive, action-oriented people, we started adoption processes and everything. And um, we wrote letters to lawyers. Anyway, we came back with our son from Costa Rica. So we had this one kid. Then um, we adopted another boy. 
And then we went overseas, and we had our two kids, right? We had our two kids. We went overseas. He was working for the State Department. And um, okay. So um, then somehow I got pregnant and didn't know it for 11 weeks, okay? And my husband's a doctor. We didn't, we, you know, I mean, you know, we totally, you know. I mean, I thought I had fibroids, you know, I needed a hysterectomy. And so, okay, so, so that was my daughter. <laughs> and um, the, the funny thing was is, um, you know, I mean, it was, just, it was just so bizarre. The funny thing was is that I got medevac back from Africa to have this baby because they didn't have the facilities there. And um, I had told this doctor that I'm, not, I'm having an epidural. You know, I mean, I don't, you know, I never had Lamaze. I never had this. So what happens is within three hours from my water breaking, my daughter's born, and I didn't have time to get an epidural. And I remember, I remember lying on that gurney, and they're moving me into the delivery room, and I said, where's my epidural? And they said, you're too far gone, honey. And I said, I, I actually was talking out loud. And, this is a joke, God, right? You know, I mean, I'm... <laughs> Okay, so then I had another kid. So be careful what you pray for. You may get it. Okay, so we have four kids. Um, we had four kids within five and a half years. Okay, the oldest is now 30, what the hell is he, 31. I don't know. My youngest is 25. So um, Son number two had a real behavior problems. Oh, did you hold that up? Because I can't see it. Hold it really, oh no, hold it really high if you, because, okay. Like cover your face with it, then I'll see. <laughs> then I'll be able to see it. <laughs> anyway, son, son number two had real behavior problems. We're talking anger and violence, and we thought ADD, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it got so bad that, um, he was a physical danger to our family. And we had escorts come and whisk him away to wilderness program. And he spent many years in emotional growth boarding schools, and, you know, after the wilderness program, on medication, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there was one point where he hitchhiked up from San Bernardino because he was trying another program and he was over 18. And he rang our doorbell, and I, we handed him his social security card. And we were done. That's it, you know. And it was very sad. It was really sad. Um, so for a while, he was homeless in San Bernardino. Um, today, today, he is three credits away from graduating from Cal State Northridge. He is six and a half years sober. And has almost two years of abstinence in OA. Wow. So, you know, I, and, and all during this time, it was like, you know, God, why are you doing, you know, some other speaker said, why, why not, you know? I mean, why am I so different from everybody else? Everybody has challenges. The difference, as the speakers have been saying, is your attitude. Our whole attitude and outlook on life will change, okay? Um, you know, Okay, today my, oh, and then my daughter had problems, and she had to go to wilderness. 
and emotional growth boarding schools and somehow got through it. And, and this was not an adopted child. This was a birth child, biological child. And today, she's the mother of my two grandsons. I have pictures. And she's 20, what the hell is she? 27. She's 27, married, lives in Washington State. And we have a relationship like this. I mean, she texts and calls me like a thousand times a day. We're very, very, very close. So um, one of the things I've had to accept, which pisses me off no end, is the fact that as you age, your metabolism slows down and things ha start happening to your body that you have no control over. Like a couple of years ago, um, my knee was kind of like, I don't know. I went to this orthopedic guy, you know, and everything, and he says, well, I've got an MRI, blah, blah, blah. And when he went, and he says, wow, he, he says, wow, you know, I mean, this is really bad. And then he had to give me shots and everything. And today, it's really pretty good. It's pretty good. I don't do stairs really well, you know. I don't do stairs. But I do 40 minutes a day on an elliptical. And um, I, I swore I'd never go to the gym. Right. Oh, those people, those people who go to the gym. I'm not one of those people. You know, I go to the gym six days a week, 40 minutes on the elliptical, and I hate every minute of it. But I saw a guy, this is great, There's, I saw a guy watching videos. He had a portable DVD player, and you could flip the screen around, and in, he could, you know, instead of all the dreck on TV, he was watching videos. So he's watching videos. I thought, what a great idea because it's multitasking. I don't feel guilty. I don't watch TV unless it's good sports. So, or, you know, God forbid the Twin Towers collapse or something huge. So um, I started bringing videos to the gym and watching videos. And I've seen many movies and good TV shows that way and not feeling guilty about it because I'm not going to sit home on my ass and watch this stuff. Maybe while I fold laundry, but there's not that much laundry to fold anymore. So anyway, um, I want to add to what Judy said about never and always. I also add the word should. Should, never, and always are words I don't use. Um, because I don't know. I don't know what God has in store. I don't know. I thought I would always chew sugarless gum. I was so addicted to this stuff. They used to sell packs of do they still make Carefree? They used to sell packs of, packs of Carefree. Okay, long, you know, long packs, 10 for 99 cents, okay? I used to keep like six or seven of them in my, in my kitchen because, I, and one piece went in and one piece went out. One piece went in, totally. I thought, swore I would never give that up. Guess what? If I take one piece of gum today, I feel like I'm eating a chocolate bar. It's just bizarre. I don't, I don't know, but that's... That's the kind of stuff that happens. Um, one of the things that somebody told me, which I really like, are there are no big deals. There are no big deals. Everything that you think is a big deal, you know, it's really not. God has a plan. You know, God has a plan. It's not for me to know every reason. I mean... While we were going through this trouble with our son, I kept saying, God must have something really special in store for him or he wouldn't have given him to us. You know, because we had the resources to, you know, to help him, financial and 
emotional and um you know and and it's amazing it's amazing um every day i wake up and i say god help me um today to fulfill whatever your mission is for me okay um Help me with my food choices. Help me with my words to people, my relationships. And um, if I am using food, I cannot hear what I'm supposed to be doing. It's as simple as that. Because there's a channel that goes up. And the food, like, clogs the channel. You know, like you need a rotor or something to clean it out. But I can't hear what I'm supposed to be doing. And Today, I just want to be of maximum service, and not just in the program. I have to tell you, people have been talking about service a lot. Can you throw me that glass? People have been talking about service a lot. I have been in the program 34 years, and I've never been to one intergroup meeting. Okay, that sounds awful. I mean, I should have been, should have, I should have been a trustee already or whatever. You know what? That's not my, what's the word, media, whatever. It's not my milieu, whatever you want to call it. That's not where I do my work the best. You know, I, it's really hard for me to deal with personality sometimes. I get really impatient. So, um, like I said, I, I do a lot of one-on-one and um, things like that. Um, let me see. Oh, God, that's my last card. Oh, no, it's not. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> Okay, there's um, a few things, and I'm just, everything I'm telling you, I'm regurgitating is stuff I've heard that stayed with me. Nothing, almost nothing is original, almost nothing. Um, the, the two things you need to succeed in this program, you must have a higher power, and you must practice the principles of the 12 steps in all your affairs as best you can. It doesn't, everything else is doesn't matter. That's, you have to do that. I mean, there's no rules, but that's, to me, that's, those are the two rules. And there are three things that every member of OA has the most latitude. And one is your concept of a higher power, what kind of food you eat, and what your healthy body weight is, whatever that is. I don't know. You know, um, One of the things I've learned in this program is I have my hands full with me and my program, and I'm not going to work anybody else's, you know. When I work a perfect program, then I'll work yours, you know. But all I can do and all anybody can do is share experience, strength, and hope, you know. And I didn't have a crummy child. I'm an only child. I mean, there were no sibling rivalries. I got any food I wanted, you know. I mean, um you know, but, but I'm a compulsive overeater, and I really don't know. I can't pinpoint, like, I was abused or this or that. or You know what? It really doesn't matter, does it? You know, the fact is that I know I am, and I'm here, and I know I will not graduate. I don't want to. I don't want to graduate, you know, because um, then I wouldn't have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> You <laughs> and I have a I have a real small I'm a okay as an only child I'm a real loner I've always been a loner somebody um, somebody earlier talked about traveling by herself she was a widow that's me I 
I went to Thailand when I was five and a half months pregnant with my fourth. Oh, and I should tell you, okay, here's a quick, a quick one. How, how much I control my control issues. When I got pregnant with my youngest, we were in India. Okay, we had gone from Africa to India. And halfway through the pregnancy, I had an ultrasound. And it was a boy. And it didn't occur to me that they would know the sex, tell me the sex, because I didn't have one with my daughter, because we were in a place that didn't have ultrasounds. And I was going to actually have him at the embassy hospital in India, in New Delhi. So they said, oh, there are the testicles. It's a boy. And I went, what? Because I was going to have another girl, you know, two boys, two girls. And I said, oh, God. All right, so then we started planning, and because we are Jewish and because it was a boy, we knew we were going to have a bris. And my husband is qualified to do that, and since it's the, hus- it's the father's obligation, if he can do it, besides I wasn't paying a shitload of money for a moil to come in from Bombay, you know, that was, you know, no, 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 no. So then the thing was we have to have people there. So we said, well, let's have his bris on an American holiday when the embassy is closed. Okay, well, what's eight days before the American holiday? And we'll induce and we'll hope this kid is born so we can have his bris on this day so people can come. We did it! We did it! We did. I'm telling you, this is how much of a control nut I am. We, I went in on the Monday before President's Day, and my husband broke my water. Okay, they started Pitocin, and I said you got to get out of here before dark or we're screwed, you know? I mean, basically. And at 3.15 in the afternoon, they wheeled me in, you know, and he was born. And we had a great brisk. The American ambassador came. His wife came. I mean, we had, we had a nice crowd because it was the morning. And, and it was the morning and nobody had to work, you know? So that gives you a little idea of how crazy I am and how much I like to control things. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm just really grateful to be here and to keep, yeah, I'm going to, I'm done. <laughs> and, uh, to keep coming back, you know, I, the mo- three most important words in this program are keep coming back, keep coming back. You know, I've heard so many speakers, nobody, we don't really get it, whatever it is, usually the first year, the first two years. You have to be honest and open-minded and willing and willing to listen. Take what you like. Leave the rest. Find something. If something works, great. If it doesn't work, throw it out and find something else. There's no right or wrong way of doing things. The food that I've eaten years ago is different from the food I eat now. It just, you know, everything is different. But I have one constant, and that's my higher power. And he went with me to Africa. He went with me to India. I started meetings. One of my best girlfriends who now lives, who went back to Washington, now lives in North Carolina, um, is, um, is I met in India because of these, because of the meetings, you know. So um, just, just keep coming back. Keep coming back. You know, there's so few people that stay, you know. Just keep coming back because in another 30 years, I want to see you. Thanks. Thank you. The meeting is now open for three-minute pitches.
please sign the release form at the podium prior to speaking. We ask that you limit your share to three minutes and confine, confine your share to your experience, strength, and hope on the topic discussed today. And the session ends at uh, 2.15. We'll close a little bit early for the prayer. Uh, are you willing to still be timekeeper? Okay. So if you guys want to line up behind Jerry, then... Hi, my name is Jerry, and I'm a compulsible reader. Hi, Jerry. And uh, I want to thank you, Mel, for being here. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also want to thank you for sharing about the gum. And that's a miracle, okay, I wanted to share about. In 1992, I went to a meeting, and the speaker shared about giving up gum. And I said to myself, I could never do that. And I called my sponsor and I said, what do you think? And he said, maybe you could do it just for one day. And that was in 1992. So I want you to know all things are possible with God. Um, And the other thing I wanted to say about living life on life's terms, um, until I came to OA, I lived it on Jerry's terms, so I had a chance to be really unhappy. And then I came to OA and I met people like Mel and the people on the panel here. And what I learned was is that old saying from Abraham Lincoln, you're as happy as you make your mind up to be. Anyway, I'll close with a little saying that I learned from a lady who was from New York, which is, I am enough, I have enough, I do enough. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, I'm Ada, compulsive overreader. I asked my higher power to give me a sign if I was supposed to um, come up and share, and my butt started falling asleep. (laughs) You can't hear me? Maybe that wasn't worth repeating. Um, (laughs) So I just wanted to share a little bit about um, my experience um, accepting life on life's terms. Back in May, I got... Okay, there I am. You can hear me, right? I received some information that I don't think probably anybody would want to hear. And, um, you know, first thing that happens, I cried. Second, I future tripped. Then I panicked because I felt like I couldn't handle the information about the situation. Then I tried to cover it up from all my family. <laughs> and then finally, I talked about it with my fellows, etc. Through all of this, I was able to stay abstinent, by the way. But finally, because I stayed abstinent, I'm able now to participate in as much as I can making it better. And um, you still can't hear me? Sorry. Um, So I just, I feel really grateful that I have a program that can tell me how to live with really difficult information um, and how to be present. And one of the things that's helped me through this difficult time is actually meditating, the thing I would I would have preferred, like, shooting myself before. Um, So I just wanted to to talk about that, that that made made such a difference for me. I mean, it it was information that I would have definitely felt was a legitimate excuse to go to seas before um, or somewhere like that. Um, But I'm doing a lot better that I'm abstinent. So thank you.
Hey, family, Marty, recovering compulsive overeater. Thank you, panel. Lovely workshop. I got a lot out of it. Um, Accepting life on life's terms today. But this program has taught me how to spiritually and emotionally grow up. Therefore, when I get news that hurts my heart, as I heard on the panel, hurting the heart, things that I don't like that are very difficult to accept, uh, family of origin issues, issues with my addict son, um, that this program and one day at a time and a power greater than myself teach me not to react um, in ways that I used to act when I pre-recovery days. I would react by acting out, by comforting myself, by overeating, by drinking, um, just acting out in compulsive ways to try to soothe my, the pain in my heart. So for today, I get to learn to grow into acceptance and not react, grow through it, and choose my attitude, and choose to make the decision in step three It's a decision I have to make every day as an act of my will, as an act of plan of action, is what I heard on the panel today. And I get to make a decision to turn my life, my will, my thoughts, my actions, my reactions, my loved ones who bear heavy on my heart um, over to the care of God. And I get to give myself permission to move forward and live my life and be responsible for how I react and live a life of recovery and fullness. And this program has given me a new life. And I'm just not the same person I was when I walked in seven years ago. So I get to choose the new way today and um, trust that God has me and trust that um, all shall be well. And I thank God for this program. That's it. Thanks. Hi, my name's Carolyn, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, What you said about making lemonade out of lemons really struck home. And um, I'm remembering a moment um, when my son was a young boy. He was a very talented baseball player, or at least so I thought. And I remember he didn't make the all-star team one year when he was about 12 years old. And my husband and I were heartbroken but then it was okay because I had this, um, what, this, this understanding in my heart that he was going to do something really great with his life. So imagine how distressed I was several years later um, when my son is an addict, an alcoholic, and completely out of control. Um, but he did get into recovery. So the real lemonade for myself, because this is all about me, was um, one day we were all sitting around. We had close family friends over, and my son was talking about his recovery in AA. And I had been in Al-Anon, but my son was describing the 12 steps and what he went through, and I just it was a bolt of lightning for me. I thought, I want what he has. And um, that week I found an OA meeting, And that was about 13 months ago. Um, And it has been such a gift to me. Um, His recovery has been a gift to me 
my recovery has been a gift to him. And um, I'm just really grateful to be here. So thank you. That is all the time we have for sharing. It is now time to close this session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session. If you enjoyed this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tapes table to order copies of this session or any other sessions. All workshops and main speaker events are being recorded and are available on CD or as an electronic download. Please join hands as we close with the third step prayer that you'll find on page eight of your program. to thee, to build with me, and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help, of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back. It works. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.